Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you. My name is Pastor Richard and I'm the pastor of this church and also the one privileged to, uh, to bring you God's word this morning. And what we're doing is we're going through uh, the Gospel of John, uh, meeting Jesus. And there's Jenny. <laughs> Does everyone remember Jenny? Yeah, she was at, at Cook Up every week and uh, she came to our church as well. And this is the first time she's been with us here, isn't it, beside the lake. So welcome. Good to see you. Yeah, awesome. Good on you. Okay, so we're going through the Gospel of John, learning about who Jesus is. And uh, we're going through a mini-series or three-part series um, that we've been looking at uh, over the past two Sundays and we're going to finish today. But it begins with who Jesus is. And we have to find Jesus today. And so uh, Sean already began reading it, but uh, I'm just going to continue reading from Isaiah chapter 9 from verse 6. And it says... For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Now, I don't know about you, but that was written 800 years before Jesus. And, uh, wow, you know, that really speaks to, of somebody great. Uh, it, takes, it talks about somebody who is uh, born to us, a child is to be born, and this child will have the government upon their shoulders. This child will be a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting father and a prince of peace. So who can do that? So God is coming to earth in the form of a child. Then that child will grow up and have the government upon his shoulders and he will sit on the throne of David forever. That's huge, isn't it? And so there are, you know, back when we were, um, you know, in Jesus' day on earth, he was there and and, uh, the Jewish leaders and the teachers of the law, they knew this scripture, they memorised this scripture And then Jesus came to the temple. He came to the pool of Bethesda and then he saw somebody who had been a paralytic for 38 years. He goes in and he heals him and he says to him, uh, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And so the leaders, the teachers of the law, those who knew the scriptures, they saw this man and said, wait a minute, he's working on the Sabbath. Who said you could work on the Sabbath? And then the man didn't know because, of course, we learnt that. And then uh, later on he dobbed Jesus in and he said it was Jesus. He's the one who made me disobey the law. And and that began the work, didn't it? And so last week we looked at how Jesus defended or uh, gave reasons for who he is. And so he declared massive things but they fit well into Isaiah 6 and 9, don't they? Because he said, um, he said, I and the Father are working all the time and uh, only God can work on the Sabbath and that's who I am. And they were furious because they said, how dare you call yourself equal with God? And then, um, then uh, Jesus said it made it even worse, didn't he? He said, I am the judge. You know, the government will be upon my shoulders and I will judge the living and the dead. And that really upset everyone. And then Jesus said that um, he commands worship just as the Father commands worship. 
And so Jesus said, I am God. I have come so that you may have eternal life. And so when you come to me, you will find life and I will save you. And so the teachers of the law, the ones who knew that scripture, they said, well, he's not it. And they were absolutely furious. And so Jesus said, this is who I am. You know, I give life, I I judge, and I am to be worshipped. And they said, how dare you say that? And so what we're going to see today is uh, how Jesus uh, speaks of or gives proofs of who he is. And so from this we can say, yes, you know, this is the Jesus that was promised in Isaiah chapter 9. And so let's have a look at the scriptures. We're up to John chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at um, the verses 30 to 47. And these words are just as drastic as the words from uh, last week. So um, John chapter 5 from verse 30. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favour, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burnt and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one who um, he sent. You study the scriptures diligently, because you think that in it, or in them, you may have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe, since you accept glory from one another, but not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe he, uh, what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence. We thank you that we have your word. We thank you that your word is powerful and effective, sharper than a two-edged sword. It reveals error and it declares and shows glory. But we thank you that your word is, is all about Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that we can learn about him now. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll engage our hearts, that you'll transform and change us so that we may hear and seek and find Jesus, that we may live more closely to him, and, Lord, that we may be witnesses for him in this dark world. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, so um, the tone changes here, and so what happens is that um, you know they're saying they're ready to stone Jesus for, for daring to say that he's equal with God and and to, to glorify himself so much, and then Jesus defends himself by giving so much evidence. Do you see what he says? He says, "If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true." He doesn't mean it's his testimony isn't true. What he means is he said, "Don't just take my word for it." See. And so that's what we need to do. Last week we saw that uh, Jesus said about himself that he is God and we had to determine whether he was a heretic, a liar or the Lord of glory. And we believe that he is the Lord of glory. And how Jesus is going to prove that he is the Lord of glory with the proofs that are so obvious that everybody in, the, in his audience and in this church should believe in Jesus. Because he said, don't just take my word for it. And the first one is, there is another who testifies in my favour and I know that his testimony about me is true. And that is John the Baptist. Isn't that amazing? Because we've learned about him, haven't we? A month ago, a few months ago, we've learned about John the Baptist. He's the greatest prophet who ever lived. The greatest prophet who, who spoke and, and everybody came to him to be baptised. And so he must have been such a huge figure such a huge prophet. We, we probably can't appreciate how powerful and effective he was because everybody from the whole region came to him and they let him baptise them. And so he must have been huge. And so who got baptised? Well, everybody. And so there may well have been these teachers of the law, some Pharisees. They might have got into the water with John the Baptist and said, you know, that's, John is amazing. He's incredible. He's showing us who God is. This is great, you know. And Jesus said, you enjoyed his light for a time, but only for a time. What was John's number one job? You know, John had only one job, and that was to point everybody to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? So he was this great prophet. He had this great message. He was preparing people to meet Jesus. And then when it came to actually meeting Jesus, they didn't accept Jesus for who he is. Isn't that incredible? And so... Jesus said, you accept the testimony of John, but you didn't believe him. And nobody wanted to know that because everyone thought he was a great prophet. And yet John's job was to say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You need to follow and believe in Jesus. And that's proof that they all there and we here know happened at the time. Everybody had John the Baptist to listen to. Everybody followed John the Baptist all the way except for the point where he said, follow Jesus. And so everybody there knew that that was the first proof. But what about the next one? He says, I have testimony weightier than that of John the Baptist. For the words that the Father, the works the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing today testify that the Father has sent me. And so the next proof, apart from John the Baptist's testimony, is the testimony of the works that he's doing. There is no one else that could do the miracles that Jesus is doing. Nicodemus, remember he said to Jesus, nobody else can do the works that you're doing. You must be from God. And so Jesus said, see, I just healed a paralytic man who was paralysed for 38 years. You didn't see the healing, you just saw him breaking the law. Isn't that amazing? There's a proof that Jesus is from the Father. It's a clear proof. And Jesus healed so many people. There were so many works happening around that uh, everybody knew that Jesus is from God. And so you've got John the Baptist's testimony. You've got the testimony of the works that he's doing. And then you've got the testimony of the Father himself. 
For he says, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Do you know where God the Father testified about Jesus? Has anyone got a... Where did that happen? You could actually hear the voice of God say, Jesus is God. Did you... The baptism. Yes, that's right, isn't it? So at the Transfiguration too, but this one particularly is that, you know, this is amazing. So Jesus was baptised by John the Baptist and then the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and the Father spoke from heaven and he said, this is my son for whom I am well pleased. And everybody knew that happened. And that's proof number three, isn't it? The Father himself, the God of the universe said, this Jesus is my only son, God the Son. Listen to him. And then later, at the transfiguration, the same thing. That's proof, isn't it? That's the third proof. But then uh, there's even more. And then he says, um, but um, you have um, never heard um, his voice, nor seen his form, nor does the word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one who sent. And then it says, you study the scriptures diligently because uh, you think that in them, you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and to have life. And, and the fourth proof uh, for Jesus is the scriptures themselves. The scriptures that these people diligently study every day. Now they diligently study. You know, they study every aspect of the Word of God. They memorize it, they study it, they discuss it. That's all they do. And they think by believing or studying the Word of God, uh, they grow closer to God, and by knowing the Word of God, they're saved. And yet the whole Bible is about Jesus. And they miss it completely. Do you see how that happens? You can go for the detail and miss what it's about. You know, you can not see the forest for the trees. You know, you can go through the details and miss what it's all about in the first place. And that's what Jesus is saying. You you study it so diligently, and yet it's all about me. How can you miss Jesus in the Scriptures? And just going through the book of John or the Gospel of John, you see there are so many proofs. You you see, um, when, um, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Right through the Old Testament, it's about you know the, the sacrificial system and the lamb that uh, needs to be slain for the sins of the people. And uh, the whole Bible talks about the sacrificial system and John gets it. He says, oh, wait a minute, the whole scriptures speak about this sacrificial system and Jesus is the lamb of God who finally ends sin in the lives of his people. Isn't that amazing? And remember, um, Philip went to Nathaniel and he said, I think we've found the Christ the one who Moses has written to us about. Isn't that amazing? So um, even Philip, you know, a fisherman who doesn't know very much, knows that the Old Testament is speaking about this Messiah and he says, I I think it's Jesus. I think he's the one. What about when he meets Nicodemus at night? You know, Jesus says to him that um, a snake, like a snake was lifted in the desert, so the Son of Man needs to be lifted up. And so all the way through the scriptures you can see that it's all about Jesus. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because they all missed Jesus. And so Jesus is giving them, he's saying, this is who I am, and here are the proofs that I am who I say I am. And all was there, and everybody wanted to kill him. Nobody would believe it. And so that's what we need to have this morning, don't we? We need to have this thought, like, okay, do you believe in Jesus? 
Is he a lunatic, a heretic, or is the Lord of glory? How do we know and how can we follow him? Well, the answer's here in our text, isn't it? Jesus said, what I've done is the scriptures is all about me. And it says, you refuse to come to me to have life. And so what we discover is when you study the word of God, you discover Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And Jesus says that when you read the word of God, when you understand the word of God and the spirit of God brings it to life in your heart, what you do is come to Jesus. See? If you really know the word of God, your eyes are opened, you see Jesus and you go to him. That's what happens. And so they diligently seek the scriptures, but they miss Jesus and they don't go to him. And so that's what we need to understand. Is that us? Do you study diligently the scriptures? Do you? You know, I think in our world today, we've got this, we're not very good at reading the scriptures. I don't know too many people that study the scriptures so well. The Pharisees beat us by a mile when it comes to studying the scriptures. It says you seek the scriptures or you study the scriptures carefully. You know, so, and, and, uh, so what does that look like to you? Do you study the scriptures carefully? There's a difference, isn't there? I mean, say so if you get um, this junk mail in the letterbox, do you study it diligently? No. Only if you're a little bit interested, but then you might look at a couple of things. And, you know, Bunnings, of course, there's a few things to look at. But you, you'll be quick. It'll, it'll just, you don't search that thing. But if you get a, a love, has anyone had a, a love, what do you get, a, a love letter, uh, a love email? <laughs> if you get a love, I don't know, social media, <laughs> do you, what do you do about that? If your loved one sends you a letter, what do you do? You study every little word and you say, wow, I wonder what they mean by that word. You know, you study it, don't you? You say, what does it mean? What is it saying? Do, do they love me? You know, is it, is it going to encourage me? You, you study every word. And so there's a difference, isn't there? Jesus says these Pharisees study the scriptures and they're far better at studying the scriptures than we are. And so we need to study the scriptures. We need to study very carefully. Because we know that when we do, we get to meet Jesus in the word and we get so close to him, we discover that he's our Lord and Saviour who came for us that first Christmas. He came to live and to die and to rise again so that we may be in a living relationship with him forever. The word of God is clear, isn't it? No, you can't read anywhere in the scriptures that does not speak about Jesus. I know a friend, he's been reading through Numbers. <laughs> numbers. Has anyone read through numbers recently? Lee has. <laughs> but uh, you know, have you studied them diligently? <laughs> you know that you know the Baruchs and the all those names all the way through. Did you know the book of Numbers is all about Jesus? There is not a part of the scriptures that you cannot read that is not about Jesus. Everything that happens there is about Jesus. It's all there for that purpose, so that through it, as you read it, you meet Jesus. And so what we do is we read the scriptures from beginning to end. We read every part of it, and every part of it, you learn that the scriptures are the word of God, living and active, and they'll show you and point you and bring you to the foot, feet of Jesus. And when you find him, you find life. The scriptures even show you that. 
They show you what it's like to meet the Saviour and to live in a relationship with him and the change that happens in your lives. As you read the scriptures, you discover the change that you can expect in your lives. Is that how you study the scriptures? We need to be people who study the scriptures so that we may know the history of salvation and then also the salvation that we receive and then what happens after we're saved. Jesus is our model. Jesus is our firstborn. The more that we love him, the more like him we become and the more effective we are in this dark, terrible world. The darkest time of the year is Christmas when the most lights are on. Have you noticed that? Everybody's searching for hope and meaning and, and, and something that's beyond and they don't find it. They find presents and lights and uh, relationships and it's all emptiness. And yet the scripture shines the brightest when the world is the darkest. And so we need to be searching the scriptures because, you know, as the Pharisees did, they missed Jesus. But we who are enlightened need to find Jesus, discover him and see what he has done for us. Okay, what's next? It says, you, um, so nor do you um, have, you know, he said you don't have the word of God dwelling in you. And, and you've heard that before, haven't you? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in the Lord. Now the word of God is not to be just known and searched, but it's to dwell, live in you. You know, you, you become more and more the word of God. Jesus became and was the whole ministry on earth, the word of God. He spoke the word of God every time he opened his mouth. Do you know that? Have you seen that in him? It's amazing. He was on the cross and he quoted Psalm 22. You know, he, he was, um, somebody said, where are you living? And he said, you know, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. I mean, everywhere and everything he spoke came from the word of God. Not the New Testament, because of course that wasn't written yet, but from the Old Testament. Jesus lived the scriptures. Everything that he did was according to the scriptures. He said that you must baptize me, John the Baptist, because all scripture must be fulfilled and I'll do that. You know, he lived it out. And that's a demonstration of what it's like to have the scriptures dwelling within him. And so the scriptures need to dwell or be alive in us, demonstrating, showing and helping us to know how to live. Because when we have the word dwelling, then we become more and more alive and more and more lit up and more and more influential, don't we? Because we have the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ working in and through us. And so what else do we have? The uh, trouble with the uh, Pharisees and the people, it says, I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. See, Jesus knew the heart of people, didn't he? He knows the heart of all. And he says, I know you, and may this never be said about us. I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. Jesus could look into the hearts of these Pharisees, teachers of the law and all those people around and they were angry at him and furious at him for daring to say that he is who he is. And he could see in every heart there was hatred and anger. The love of God was not in their heart. And so what we need to know is how do we have the love of God in our hearts? How can we have the love of God? Well, unlike them, what we need to do is we need to come to Jesus. See? Be open-minded, know the love of God, and then the love of God will come into you. 
And so these people didn't have a love of God, they had a love of the honour of men. Do you see that? It says, I have come in my Father's name and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in their own name, you accept him. (laughs) I just can't accept that. I can't believe it. So some rabbi from somewhere or other will come in and say, hello, my name's Rabbi Ahmed and, uh, and, and, and I'm uh, you know, a really great rabbi and I know lots of stuff. And they'd come in and they'd go, oh, you know, Rabbi Ahmed, he's, a, he's pretty impressive. Yeah, let's listen to him for a while. And then Jesus, who is God, comes in and they go, no. Nah. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Jesus says it so well that you accept the glory of men, men who promote themselves, and yet you don't even see or come to me even though I'm from God. And so that's what we need to learn, isn't it? We don't need the honour of men. We don't need anything from men or women. What we need is we need the honour of God, and that's the only thing that matters, you see? So Jesus says, if you can meet God in his word, if you can be converted and come to Jesus and find life, if you can have the love of God in your heart, then you don't need anything from anyone else. Isn't that incredible? That means that you can say, well, I, you know, I don't care if people oppose me. I don't care if people hate me. I don't care if people want to stone me. I don't care if people want to kill me because the only thing that matters is that I have a relationship with God and I have life in his name. The only one that matters is God himself. Because, you see, he's the only one where we have true life and eternal life. And what we tend to do, though, isn't it? We tend to worry about what people say about us or think about us. We want people to be impressed with us and give us the honour that we deserve. And yet, when we do that, the love of God in us, the word of God in us, starts to fade away. See, that's the picture, isn't it? If the word of God doesn't dwell in us, if we don't have the love of God in us, then what we'll do is worry more and more about what people think of us. And that was the problem with the people of Jesus' day. It can't be the problem of us, can it? We need to care more about Jesus and what he thinks of us than anything else. Because can you imagine the God of the universe looks upon us and loves us? He came for us. He rescued us. He's given us eternal life. We have everything that we need in him. Surely, his opinion of us is the only thing that matters. And so look at your own hearts. What do you think about? What do you care about? What do you value in your life? Is it a relationship with Jesus or is it something else? Because what we know is that we have so many other things competing in our lives. Just like in the day of Jesus, there are people and there are parts of our own hearts that resist and say, no, we care about this, no, we want to hold on to that. And Jesus says, no, come to me and I will give you life. And as you receive that life, all those other worries just melt away because you have all that you need. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Jesus is saying. And then he goes for the the hardest thing. He says in verse 45, But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses. I mean, you know, if you really want to upset anyone, you tell those people that are studying the scriptures, you know, diligently, they love Moses. And then Jesus says, Moses will condemn you. 
because you have, he has written about me. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And so as we read the word of God, we need to say that we believe the word of God and we meet Jesus in it. If we make the word of God about anything else, then we can lose it. Now, you know, I don't know, so I was, uh, you know, a Christian. <laughs> I became, a, 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 you know, a follower of Jesus. And, uh, and we, um, we, we were growing together. We were, you know, growing in a Bible study group and we were in a church and we were becoming active and somebody said, what's, you know, what's your ministry? And we said, oh, I don't know, do you? Can you have one of those? <laughs> and then, yeah, we said, oh, wow, I, I, think, I, I think I've got a ministry. And so I started uh, working with the youth and I was taking catechism classes. Oh, yeah. Anyway, and so we were doing this and we were growing spiritually. It was a wonderful time. And then we were called into the ministry, you see. And so uh, then I had to go to the college, to the Reformed Theological College. And I thought, oh, no, I'm just going to go there and get all academic and the spirit will just fade away. That's <laughs> <laughs> that was my biggest fear, you know, I'm sharing with you now. So I was thinking that we're going to go to the college and, and, and we're just going to be studying stuff. And, uh, and then we get there, and does anyone know Murray Capel? Well, his dad was there. <laughs> and, uh, and so the, the first uh, course we did was the Christian mind. And you think, oh, thank the Lord. I thought we were just going to do this dry and dusty study and the first thing we learned was before you start learning the scriptures and theology and, and languages and uh, church polity and, and uh, hermeneutics and exegesis and before you learn all that sort of stuff, what you need to do is have a Christian mind as the basis for it. So you see, what you can do is you can go to the college and you can study about Jesus. You can study every tense of every verb. You can pull apart every noun. You know, you can come across every adjective. You can, you can do all sorts of things and miss Jesus completely. It is possible to read the word of God and not to be in a relationship with Jesus. It is possible to read a devotion and a little text every day and not be any, any nearer to Jesus. What we need to be challenged with and what Jesus is saying if you meet me in the word of God, you will come to me and receive life. I will give you life. Then the love of God will fill you and you will be a light and a salt in a dark world and you will be another testimony of who Jesus is because you will have so much to testify about. If you just read the scriptures and then live a Christian lifestyle, then you're completely missing it because what it is is a relationship with the one who loves you and feeds you and directs you and guides you and fills you with joy and peace and goodness and kindness and self-control. This is the God who transforms us. This is what it's all about and brings us the greatest joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you and worship you for these wonderful words. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to earth, that you demonstrated exactly what it looks like to be the wonderful counsellor the mighty God, to have the government upon your shoulders and to be the Prince of Peace. Lord, we thank you that in you and through this passage we can see this is exactly who you are. We thank you so much that at Christmas you came for us, that we can remember and celebrate all that you've done for us. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to, do, uh, to, to read your word, to study it, to see you in it, to converse with you in it, to seek you in prayer, to surrender our lives to you, to receive you more and more so that we may have more and more of the life that you give. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll fill us with your spirit, fill us with your word, 
and help us, Lord, to testify uh, to you in everything that we do, and especially during this, this season of uh, madness, during this season of darkness. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.